2016, Trump got in and said, I'm going to pull the troops out of Afghanistan. Very shortly thereafter, he made a press conference that said, this is not smart to just pull troops out. Like we, he basically predicted what's happening right now. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. So uh, on this episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, given the imminent cluster of chaos that is going on in Afghanistan right now, we wanted to take the time to bring on someone we've gotten to know recently, and it has been awesome. His name is John Cooper. And I uh, just thought we'd open up before we start talking about Afghanistan and a Christian perspective for Afghanistan. Our hope is that this uh, time will be a time that will allow you to recenter your thoughts on a part of the world uh, that has just taken a tremendous amount of attention recently and for, for many reasons. And so um, I, it's, it's had a lot of our attention for, for a while now, uh, but really right now, and we need to have a good Christian perspective so that we can be praying um, appropriately. Uh, and petitioning God accurately uh, for what's going on. So with that, I would love for John Cooper to take a second here, sir, and you introduce yourself to uh, to us uh, briefly so we can we can know who we're talking to and a man that has uh, some good credentials as we're about to have this conversation for sure. Yeah, um, I'm John Cooper, not the the skillet man <laughs> guy, um, which if, if you were listening thinking either A, this is really awesome that they got – John Cooper in here, but why are they talking about Afghanistan? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I'm just saying. We're going to use, we're leaving every, every descriptor that you've given us about yourself. We're leaving that off of your name. We will just simply be interviewing yeah. John Cooper for the clicks. Okay. Yeah. We're looking for them yeah. clip clicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a minister of military ministry and outreach at uh, Parkside Bible Church in Watertown, New York, which is in upstate New York, which is right outside of Fort Drum, home of the 10th Mountain Division. <clears throat> we I served six years in uh, the Army as an infantryman, uh, specifically as a sniper. I've done every sniper job from the guy pulling the trigger, uh, who's behind the gun, to leading the entire sniper section for our battalion. Um, I've done long range reconnaissance when I was with the 25th infantry division, uh, which I've described as pooping in bags and <laughs> carrying out all your water for two weeks and all kind of all the fun stuff involved in that to, uh, oh, is that like, just out of curiosity, yeah. I know this is maybe not here, here, here or there, but is that more like, is that like where you're going out and scouting ahead of your battalion then? Right. So reti- so yeah. Well, you, so as long as in Recondo, which was our, our name, um, stands for reconnaissance commandos, we were out probably 12 miles in front of the whole brigade. So, um, quick, funny story. <laughs> uh, I was, we had got up on this mountaintop and we were, we had direct lines of communications. We, we knew we were supposed to reach out to, but with TAC radio, sometimes you don't really, you're just on a station. So whoever's on there is on there. And um, I, it's it's satellite radio, so it's, it's not like it's going to – it's not like the enemy's getting on there. Uh, but whoever's on that channel is on that channel. And so I we were uh, Guardian 2 is our call sign. So I said, you know, any station this net, this is Guardian 2 radio check over. And I got back 
Bronco, which is who our brigade, and it's, this is Bronco Seven. Who the hell's on my net? And I was like, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> radio works. You know, <laughs> we're gonna go into straight listening mode on this one. So, <laughs> so uh, but we were, yeah. But our job is uh, was the eyes and ears of the brigade commander, which. Uh, if you don't know, divisions are usually broken up into three to four brigades. So it was a very large uh, number and we were trained in all kinds of insertion techniques and uh, extraction, special extraction, special insertion. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a very fun job, but my recent job was the sniper section leader of second battalion, 22nd infantry regiment, triple deuce. Um, And we were in Afghanistan um, as recently as 2020. I got home uh, about a month from now, uh, last year. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. I am a Christian or I probably wouldn't be on here. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, basically I run a ministry now called at godly grunts, which we can talk about later, but, um, yeah, trying to teach soldiers to know that they can live a righteous life, not a wretched one. So. Amen. Amen. So, with uh, with that being said, you have uh, you have pretty recent boots on the ground. In fact, uh, that would put you probably on the ground for the last casualties of our interaction in Afghanistan, which I believe was February of 2020. Was our last casualties, our most recent casualties were February 2020 in Afghanistan. Um, so you you would have been there for that, um, and I think that this will this will this will just help us have some insight into. Uh, the conflict that is going on and has been going on and, and actually is now honestly just, <laughs> it's probably the most frustrating thing to watch something you have, you worked so hard for, uh, which was a, a, a stable uh, territory just disapp- disappear within in a span of 10 days, just disappear completely. Um, and that's what we've seen in Afghanistan. Uh, so I thought as as we're going to be Christians and think about this, it's probably wise to have a uh, to have a good uh, concept historically of going into this conversation. So, just to remind everybody, uh, we are less than a month away from the 20 year anniversary of 9/11, and that is really, while it is certainly not the beginning point of conflict in Afghanistan from an Afghan perspective, uh, it is it is uh, one of the the chief milestones in our nation's history in the United States of our interaction with Afghanistan, particularly uh, militarily. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know, you know, what's what's always probably good people of our age. Where were you guys when 9-11 happened? Man, I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. We were just starting classes. I remember they got the news. We, we actually, they actually let us all out um, around the, it was, I was in a private Christian school. They let us all out to, the flagpole and we actually all prayed the entire school prayed outside um, while we were waiting for our parents to pick us up. Hmm. So. Yeah. I remember you shoved getting shoved into a basement. Um, Cause in Niagara falls, New York, where I'm from the, one of the thoughts was the next place they would hit was the power plant <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. because it produces a large majority of power for the Northeast of this country. And so the initial thought was that they, we might be in Niagara falls a target. So they threw us all into a basement and uh, we watched it on the television. I got to watch the uh, second plane hit um, the tower live. I think uh, I, I remember we were, we were in class. We had just started 
uh, we had a, we called a special um, chapel. We went and we prayed. We all left school early. I, I, I remember being in class and actually we had a, we had two students in our class whose uncle was in, worked in one of the towers uh, and they got called out of class and none of us understood why I remember at the time we didn't, we just didn't understand. We had no concept of what was going on. And then we called a special chapel. It was announced. We all prayed. Um, and, and we were, we were sent home early and I watched the second tower fall in my home. And it was to think about it is a reminder why uh, the conflict in Afghanistan began. And I think it's always important to remember where you were and remember that, uh, you know, 2,000 lives were lost on American soil in something that was not even a combat. They would have been what we would have seen as very innocent lives, absolutely innocent lives. Um, they were not combatants. They were civilians going to work. Uh, and they were, they were killed. And back then, um, September 12th was uh, a tremendously united day in our country uh, from from the farthest point of California to the tippy top of Maine, everyone uh, was American. Yeah. And I remember that vividly. Uh, I remember, I remember <laughs> there was, there was no shortage of American flags on houses, but you could not buy one at a store. Um, I remember that vividly. Um, and, and that is what spurred us to move towards Afghanistan because Afghanistan uh, through the Taliban had been harboring um, Al-Qaeda. And Al-Qaeda is where uh, Osama bin Laden uh, drew his support. So that is that is the connection point there to Afghanistan. That's why we went to Afghanistan. Um, and in going to uh, Afghanistan, uh, our goal was to, to remove the Taliban from it uh, and to cripple the Taliban uh, because the Taliban was unwilling to give up the leaders of Al-Qaeda. Uh, and we had <laughs> up until last week, John, we had done that. <laughs> we, mm. There was, they, 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 they had nothing. They had no control. And they were, they were pretty much forced to live in the mountains. John, what, yeah. what was it like to be in Afghanistan, to see the Afghani people, to, to see the troops that you served with, in country, what was that like? And and did we mean anything? We're, we're, we're America, right? We're always meddling places we shouldn't have been. Were, were the Afghan people, uh, um, did, they, did they hate us there? Was there a, a feeling of overwhelming um, of angst that, you, that these Americans were here? What, what was it like in Afghanistan? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'd first like to say, um, you know, that I do remember when the last soldier was killed. Um, in Afghanistan, uh, it was right before I got there, <clears throat> actually. Um, I think it was right before we hopped on the plane, uh, to get there maybe a couple days before. Um, but there was a, uh, casualties of war, not just from combat. Um, we lost a soldier. His name's Abara. Um, he was, he was killed in a uh, motor vehicle accident over there. Um, there were other casualties after that. Uh, we had a wounded in action. Um, a Lieutenant of ours was shot in the neck in a, uh, firefight with ISIS. And, um, 
whenever they broke out of the prison, which would have been a month ago last year. Yeah. They they broke a bunch of Taliban guys out of prison. So, so yeah, I mean, not, not to just correct you, but uh, just to kind of give it, I've, I've heard that too. It's like, oh, well, we haven't lost anyone since here. It's like, well, we, we have. Um, and the danger is not just in a firefight. The danger is also in everything you do in the military. That's includes training. Um, and also, you know, we did have a Lieutenant who was shot in the neck. Uh, thank the Lord that he survived. Mm. Um, and, you know, thank the medics. Uh, I think it was flat. It was not our medic who actually worked on him. So, uh, uh, anyways, uh, so yes, being in Afghanistan, um, I remember, uh, being a child after 9-11 happened, and I, even as a, as a child, uh, I think I was in fifth grade, too. Were you born in 91? I was. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, so we were, we were both we were around the same time. Uh, little babies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, back doesn't feel like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, but, um, but yeah, I remember that day saying, I'm going to go over there one day. And I don't know how, I don't know why that I feel this way. Um, but like a lot of Americans, my thought process was like, I'm going to go over there and they're going to pay for what they've done to us. They don't get to do that to us. Um, and so when we went, we finally got to Afghanistan um, through the long, uh, crazy path that God has led me down in my life. Um, and I get there and the, one thing that I think surprised me the most was just how normal it was that we were there. Um, I was in just, I can't because of, you know, I can't talk too much about it, uh, but yeah, but uh, we were attached to special operations command um, as their sniper support. And um, we were in Kabul and that's, it's pretty much uh, where I'll end that. But I do remember, um, I mean, it probably doesn't matter much now, but uh, I, I do remember um, people just, it was, it was an everyday thing. Oh, the Americans stopped the road. Uh, oh, and I'm wraps driving through or, oh, you know, those are the armored vehicles, the up armored SUVs that the Americans are driving in. It was just, it was a very normal thing. I do remember um a taxi cab driver got hit by one of our convoys um and he he tried to swerve in we hit him and i mean and he came to our little compound we had a little tiny compound that only had like 300 people in it we were very small in the middle of kabul and um and i remember him just screaming at the gate he wouldn't leave and it was like we went up you know we went up with the sniper rifles and we were ready to take this guy out if you were to do anything but it was like it was just kind of like, yeah, you hit my car, man. I don't care that you're America. Like, <laughs> I'm a taxi cab driver. Like, this is this is what I do for a oh, living. My car is my livelihood, man. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, it was it was interesting to me because the way I've always perceived Afghanistan before I went over there was that they were just a bunch of savages um, living their lives, but you know, and they were just primitive, like, what is this gun that the Americans have brought over? But that that's not the case. I mean, I'm sure for some of them, maybe up in the mountains, but it wasn't the case where we were at. It was like, if you want to live their lives, um, imagine, imagine where you guys live in New Jersey, that Antifa came and just took it over. Right. Like, and now Antifa's, Antifa's in charge. 
you're just gonna and you're a plumber right like you're like okay well i just want to continue plumbing providing for my family just get out of the way um as long as you don't enforce now the gang like they used to say in la the baddest gang in la was the lapd right like the lapd is the one in charge like things are pretty good if you're not doing the wrong thing you know so when america's in charge things are pretty good when you're not doing the wrong thing we're not you know in the beginning of Afghanistan, were we kicking in every door to try to find weapons caches? Yes. But if we didn't have a reason to go into your house, like we're not going in we're just going to keep on walking. So, um, but with the Taliban, as we're seeing now that that's not the case. So um, they're going going door to door. Yeah. They they have a different mission. They have a much different mission. Yeah. And it's sad to see, uh, I, some of the videos have been released. I've been there. Those exact places, I was standing there and it's very, very sad to see um, that just in one year, I mean, a year ago today, I could have been over there on that, on that airstrip um, doing missions, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, not fun. That's for sure. Do you think there's a general feeling of a net benefit that there was a, that the U S came in and the U S had a presence and against the Taliban for the Afghani people, or were we just meddling? No, they like that. We were there. Um, they, especially, I mean, so to put this in, in sort of a context, so the big bases like Bagram and even our, even our base where we were at, um, or a little compound, like the people who cooked our food in the DFAC were Afghanis, the people who did the plumbing were Afghanis, the people who did the building, the buildings that we were in, which were like. They took connexes that you see on those big ships and they divided them into rooms and they got all crafty and as Afghanis that did that. Um, the people in the big bases like Bagram and H. Kaya and Kandahar, like uh, Kandahar Airfield, like those bases are all run by Afghanis. Like, I mean, not run by Afghanis, but Afghanis worked there. They did your basic services. Right. And, right. and yes, did we have to, did they, did the ISIS try to sneak in? Did the Taliban try to sneak in? Absolutely. Did they, do they get in sometimes? Yeah. And then we just kick them out. Um, but the us being there meant economic prosperity for them. Um, not, obviously not everyone could get a job there. You had to be vetted and all this kind of stuff. You had to kind of know somebody who knew somebody, but we brought some economic prosperity to them and we also uh, kept them safe. Um, especially when we were still doing a lot of offensive operations, we were keeping them safe. We were out there out there doing the job um when the peace deal was signed we had to pull back um it was a little less safe but they still knew america was there and when trump with his peace deal in the beginning there were conditions set so within like i think it was like something like five days later taliban goes and does something to violate the peace deal. well then we just bomb the crap out of them and they said okay and then they they, they you know they didn't stop but they still they kept very to themselves after that because they realized we weren't with you know under the last administration that we weren't messing around like we were gonna it was a conditional thing us leaving afghanistan had conditions that needed to be set first yeah we we weren't we weren't as as bin laden said the paper tiger we were going to we were going to be a real tiger that bit back if you did not adhere to what we had called you to adhere to yeah and so i think i think for me the sentiment on for most afghan people was they were they were grateful that america was there and um, did they did they like it all the time? No. Did they like it that when the general was driving down the road that you were going to get off the road? Like, no, no one would like that. I wouldn't like that here. 
That's but right. it was better than, oh, my wife showed her leg and now she's getting her leg chopped off. Like it's, it's been a lot you, you, you pick your poison in a place like little, that. So. little quality like, of life things. Yeah, exactly. You like, you know, like being able to get education as a woman. Exactly. Where's me too. And all this, I don't even know. Did they, did they show up? I don't even know if they showed up at all. No, not so much. They didn't show up for Como either. <laughs> <laughs> actually, one of the people that actually assisted him in drafting his response uh, was a lawyer for the Me Too movement. She has since left the Me Too movement once that came out. Obviously, that was bad. My but that's the turn there. tables. Let's, let's not get lost. We are not no, focused yeah. on that. You keep your state's politics out of this conversation, John. Cesspool. <laughs> It's always been a cesspool. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know that, that we had, there had been um, really awesome uh, advances in education for this, the, the children, yes. the Afghan children, particularly the women in Afghan. And I know that's certainly going to be undone. And that was a unique feature. Um, and, I'll, and I'll, and if I can add this on the education piece, I remember um, one patrol, we came to a school and uh and we were, it wasn't the just the Afghan, it wasn't like just the Taliban doesn't want these people to learn, right? We went to the school and we were surrounded by the Afghan army. Why are you in our school? Why are you coming here? And it was like a America's here to check up on you type deal. And so these women um, in these countries where they don't have the same freedom that we do, um, they they shudder in fear because of the worldview of those running their country and when america when they see the american flag on the right the right side of a soldier's arm or a soldier's arm they say i will be safer when this man is here because they know that they're not going to get raped they know it they know it because if a soldier is going to do that he's going to pay the penalty and you know what he probably will pay the penalty before he actually pays the penalty if you know what i mean so um that's unacceptable for us that can't be said about um, other, you know, military, military. Uh, world, yeah. yeah. And so, and I don't want to paint the Afghan army as some, like they were trying to stop us. There were, there was more there. It was a tense situation, but um, they knew that when we were there, the point is that they knew when we were there. Be a standard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I knowing that uh, does, I think, it does speak loudly against the cultural tone uh, that that America is somehow a net a net negative for the world at large and always meddling in things it shouldn't be. I think that that is probably a uh, perhaps too finite uh, of an idea. I certainly think there's something to be said in the world of Christian thought that actually is um, very much pro being involved in places uh, appropriately involved in place as many places as possible particularly because the Christian thought is that we are to go everywhere and to care for everyone that we possibly can. Um, and I think that that, that does uh, kind of, it does kind of smack against perhaps an isolationist idea of, uh, of the, the, some, some political bents. I, I, I don't think isolationist is inherently what a Christian can afford to be. If, if he is, then I question what international missions has ever been for any country that's ever sent a missionary out. Uh, but that's, that's kind of my thought there. I, I think it's important for us to be at, at involved in places like this. And, and, uh, and from what you're saying, I'm, I'm glad because that is exactly what uh, the American force should be wherever it steps. It should be a, a sign of security, um, 
and a sign of, of safety, especially for those who are, I believe, as uh, Psalms would say, destitute, uh, poor, uh, orphaned. It should be they, they should be a force of security and safety for them. So that's that's and fear all news. That's and fear point. for anyone who stands against it. Amen. Mm-hmm. A- no. Amen. Absolutely. So having that having that idea of of the tone in the country that there was seen as a net positive to the Afghan people. Certainly, um, certainly it was a net, I believe clearly now, if just to take a, just to take a five second pause, it was obviously clearly a net benefit for our country, considering the caliphate that was wiped out in just a couple of weeks of actual pushing conflict uh, back in 2017, I believe the caliphate was, was removed. We now have to, we now are seeing the reinstallment of that caliphate almost just as fast as it was wiped out. Um, and I think that it was obviously a net benefit that we were, our presence was there and that we had pushed that back to where it was, uh, given that 9-11 was a result of that caliphate existing in such a large way there. Um, what are the needs and challenges uh, that this area poses for our own country? Like, thinking about 9-11 and thinking about now, what kind of challenges does it, does it, does it pose uh, for for America to have this, and maybe not even just America, maybe also the Afghan people, maybe also the the, the region in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a foreign yeah. policy expert, so uh, correct. Take we what I say with a grain of salt. Yeah, <laughs> we won't but, hold uh, you. We won't hold you to that high of a standard. Yeah, uh, but uh, but I have heard I have heard Biden's policy expert talk. So <laughs> yeah, low maybe. bar, I guess. Low bar. <laughs> so I I'll start off by saying this: who do we who do we fight in World War II? We fought the Japanese in Germany. If you are in the military, you are at a chance of being stationed in in either place, <laughs> either place. Um, if you in Korea, I mean, that's pretty easy when we fought Korea. Uh, well, guess where you can be stationed? You can be stationed in South Korea. We have multiple bases there. Um, and then a few years ago, when Trump was over there, uh, we saw that we saw our military presence over there on, on national spotlight. Um, so when you think about the fact that we were at war with these countries, we, I mean, we devastated the Taliban when we first went in there and we had a foothold. That was the goal to get a foothold. Um, so you look at these things take time, excuse me. These are not, oh, America comes and everyone's going to have a constitutional Republic and everything's (laughs) going to be wonderful, right? It takes time. It takes convincing. It takes I thought it was add water, get constitutional republic. I didn't know. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Holy, it's the holy water. The holy water. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but if you listen to, uh, and I had never known this until I listened to it. You listen to, I forget what podcast number it is. Jocko podcast. He interviews uh, a general, Nukamura, and he talks about his first combat action was doing patrols in Korea during the Vietnam War. So. There were still combat operations going on 25 years later in Korea uh, or 20 years later, whatever it is. But you get the point. Like we, yes, we've been there for 20 years, but we've been in these other places for far longer. And our presence keeps not just the places around us safe, but it keeps us safe here. I mean, Germany, though it was a whole different regime, Germany was the start of two world wars. So we said, you know what, we're going to be there. Well, our presence meant something there up until the 80s when the Berlin Wall. I mean, it was right 80s when the Berlin Wall came down. So, um, so and I mean, more, yep. yeah, so where we are, we, like we said before, there's, there's safety, security, but there's also fear. 
And so in Afghanistan, when you have the Middle East is just such a mess, all of it, um, as we view it, they, they, it's just a normal to them. They don't see <laughs> So um, yeah, the, the chaos of the tribal conflicts is something they've, they've just learned to accept as normalcy, really. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so when you say America needs to be somewhere to guard our interests, keep you safe at home, it's more than just, okay, the Afghan people haven't, their, their lives are better. It's also, you haven't been attacked. Like, yes, have we had most of the terror attacks in the past 20 years, correct me if I'm wrong, were homegrown terrorists. And we're coming from other countries. So um, we look at the Boston massacre. I mean, so like you, you think yeah. of these, you look at these things and, and it's because it, obviously we were, we succeeded. That was the number one goal. Make sure terror stays over there. And from Afghanistan, you can have now a launching pad into whatever country you need to go into. Is there a terror cell in Afghanistan that, or in, sorry, in Pakistan that Dev Guru gets to go in and kill? Well, guess where your launching pad is? It's in Bagram Airfield. Fly in, do the mission, come back. Um, or Kandahar, or Ishkaya, wherever you want to go, you have these land, you have these stations, these big bases that you can launch into other countries, run your ops, and come back. And so um, that is the mentality of why we were still over there. I, be honest with you, when I was over there, my initial thought was, why are we over here? <laughs> because there's a lot of wasted time, there's a lot of wasted money. But when you start to see the bigger picture of things, you have to be somewhere. Afghanistan, we already have a foothold in, so why not Afghanistan? Yeah, there's also, uh, I don't think people realize the amount of information gathering that can happen when you have forward operating bases that are that far, uh, that are literally, you're rubbing, you're able to rub, literal rub elbows with uh, those that are, are plotting and planning terrorism. You can gather tremendous amounts of information. Uh, that when we when we see when we see that ground right back to them, we literally are giving up the access to the information that actually allows us uh, to maintain the the safety and security that that by God's grace we have had um, since nine eleven. Uh, that's that's something that I don't think people consider well, uh, but that's another factor that we we lose when we when we simply walk away from something like that. And on top of that, it's just. <laughs> Right. So obviously these are big challenges. These are big challenges that, that when, when we don't follow through uh, maintaining the, 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 what we would call a relatively minimal force in country there. Obviously the, these, these are pretty, these are, these are pretty important things. These are pretty important um, challenges that arise when we don't do that. Um, but as we, as we have laid out probably what's more, I would say a, uh, a cultural and pragmatic understanding. When we bring that into the Christian realm, um, how should we as Christians look at this, uh, unpacking these ideas that we've, we've thought? And, and what do you think, how, how do you see the Christian perspective needing to, to be formed around these, uh, these ideas that are going on in Afghanistan? Do you, do, you think, do you think I could back up for one hot second? You go ahead and back up, buddy. I just should we back turn, up. On the, turn on the, the sound? Beep, beep, uh, I, did, I had no idea what sound was going to happen. You guys, that's a big truck backing up. No, no, no. I get it now. Okay. Now. Um, no. So we discussed a bit of the history, but we didn't really accurately capture or snapshot what's going on right now. Right. So we've had, you know, three administrations saying, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to get troops out of Afghanistan. We're going to get troops out of Afghanistan. 
then we've got then we've got President Biden coming in. Oh yeah, no, we're going to get the troops out of Af- out of Afghanistan. What went wrong this time? What went wrong with this attempt? And what 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 has that led to now? Like, you mean because he actually didn't pull the troops out of Afghanistan? Yeah, <laughs> that seems yeah to I was going to say kind of like what went right uh, in the sense <laughs> of him getting them out, but. No, what went wrong was the fact of how he went about it. Um, Trump ran on a, in 2016, Trump got in and said, I'm going to pull the troops out of Afghanistan. Very shortly thereafter, he made a press conference that said, this is not smart to just pull troops out. Like if we, he basically predicted what's happening right now. He said, you know, we can't just pull people out. This has to be a slow way of doing it. If we want to bring troops home, minimal force over there as is, you know, you think about the fact that on one, I've, I'm pretty sure that we lost as many people we've lost in Afghanistan and Iraq in D-Day. I mean, you think about that, that that goes to, and I don't want to make light of what my brothers and sisters you know, have sacrificed, but that goes to the power of our military and what we've built. Um, it goes to the training that our soldiers have, uh, that we were able to, to do this at, at a pretty minimal force to be able to take all this. And so to hold those troops there, to hold 2,500 troops, 3,500 troops over there, uh, send them into division at a time uh, or sorry, a brigade at a time. And um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that there was an actual plan. The plan was, is we're going to slowly pull out. We're going to keep special operations and air power in there. And we are going to keep a foothold in Afghanistan, but a very minimal foothold. And that was, that was the, we'll make a deal but we will enforce our side of the deal. That was the plan set forth by uh, Trump. I didn't agree with that plan personally, but that that was the plan that was was set forth. Now what we see is like, I'm just going to get them out of there and we're just going to leave. Bagram Airfield from people I've talked to uh, who were there said literally it was overnight. They left the doors open and the workers, the Afghan workers came the next day and no Americans were there. Everyone was gone. And so if you're going to leave, is that kind of what you have to do? So that way the Taliban doesn't have a head start on you. Sure. But you literally just left. You didn't tell anyone you were leaving and you were gone. And then we had uh, our last remnant, I guess you could say, was in Hkaya, which is the Afghan airport. And um, yeah, I mean, we just, you saw saw the videos. I mean, people are hanging on to uh, aircraft and they're falling to their death, just like we saw on 9-11. It's the same image. And it's, it's a, it's a shame that it happened. And I mean, I was listening to the news today and they were saying that not only did they pull all the troops out and they pulled all the contractors out and they wouldn't allow contractors to help them work on the aircraft that we left them to have. So the, literally the Afghan maintenance people that working on these aircraft were zoom had a zoom call to try to fix their aircraft. I mean, it's, it's an absolutely absurd and um, to, to point it to scripture is in Luke 14, 31, we see, or what king going out to encounter another king of war will not sit down first, deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet uh, him who comes against him with 20,000. And so who doesn't count the cost? Who doesn't sit there and say, because the point of the scriptures, who doesn't just sit there and say, what's this going to cost us? Is it worth it? And when we see that, when we promised our allies that we would help them and then we just leave. What is that? What message does that send to Taiwan right now? Who the mm. the communist, uh, the Chinese Communist Party is lying in wait, and they're like, "Oh, America's not coming." America had a foothold, and they just left. What does that tell our allies across the country? 
was literally what China just put out um, on their end of things. Was oh, did they? basically that hey Taiwan, Jeez. we're coming for you, and China will. What's America to do? They're they're not going to protect you. We, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to make sure I don't get off the outline too much because you're talking about things that really tick me off. Um, <laughs> so did that? Did that? Did that catch you up, Jesse? Did that? Did that give us a more accurate picture of what's currently happening? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I, I just thought that I thought it would you're, be you're a, right. good, a good thing to recap. Yeah. Absolutely, where we are before correct. we start getting into the nitty gritty of how we should think about it. Correct. So we basically just up and left. Uh, we have left. Even that that you're right you're right john it's surprising with the contractors that we've we've also pulled out all of our contractors um it was always kind of understood that even if we were to pull out our actual military force we would be able to still fund some contractors to stay behind again to to keep a forward operating uh, uh base more or less so that we could have a foothold if needed immediately uh in in, in an easy fashion um and had to have all of that just all of that just gone pull gives <clears throat> gives these people that we were training uh but we were training them at, at that at this whole time we've been training them with the support right of contractors and military force and and then it's like okay well we've trained you so see you later <laughs> that that's it makes the situation there now incredibly uh dicey and what we've seen is is probably not not that hard to expect once you have that information which is basically the taliban coming um, and, and what I believe has just been about it's it's just under t- in just under two weeks. It's pretty much taken back uh, the vast amount of this, the the territory they had. They're actually moving towards having more territory. It looks like than they had had previously, which which is crazy. But how should we as Christians uh, understand this? What is what is the Christian response for for the the conflict in Afghanistan? Is there a way to see that with with the lens of 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 Christ? Yeah, and I think that the seeing it from a Christian worldview, seeing it through the lens of Christ, starts with Genesis 3, where we see that sin is in the world and that people are going to act evil because uh, our hearts are are inclined to evil. And so people who don't have the restraint of Christ, the restraint of uh, God's word, are going to act this way. Um, and I think that the Christian response is is not to, you know, form the next crusades and go over there and slaughter all of the Taliban, which is what, you know, the the unrighteous part of me wants to do yeah. in, in my righteous yeah. anger, but yes. <laughs> uh what it is is it's it's prayer. Um and it's calling our leaders to in my opinion to be responsible for what they've allowed to happen. They own this. Um I have personal friends over there right now. Personal friends who have died as the Taliban have come through um, because they worked with Americans. They worked with us uh, and some that, you know, we still you know are working to get out. Um, and, you know, I've shared that with you guys offline, uh, but it's a it's a dark thing. But I think how we can pray is, is number one, we can pray for the people of Afghanistan uh, number two, we can pray for the Taliban. Uh, we can pray that they repent of their sin, uh, because we were, you know, such were some of you, right? That's what Paul says. We are sinners as well. I can never imagine doing that much evil to someone, mm-hmm. but I also know that it is only God's grace in my life that I can't imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we can pray for the Taliban mm-hmm. that the gospel will go forth. And I think a lot of people, they don't understand that verse. And I don't think God is, or excuse me, the Holy spirit 
<clears throat> through Christ or bleh, man, I'm messing up all over the place. I'm <laughs> fine, uh, fine. Christ. Uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> has was saying that we need to pray for the well-being of our enemies. Uh, that we need to pray that they repent of their sin and that we need to pray that they seek to seek the gospel. But at the same time, Romans 13 is something that's always brought up the, the righteous sword and God's wrath will be poured out on those people if they do not repent. And even if they repent, there are times where you have to pay the piper and that is what's going to happen to the Taliban. Eventually it's not going to, it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow, but eventually those people will pay the price for what they've done. And we need to be praying you know, David prays in precatory prayers. Um, and I know I was posting some of those out on our day of prayer that we had on the 16th. And um, just showing that God wants us to pray for that justice as well. Um, because you can't get the people out if you don't beat the evil back. And we need to pray. So pray that God would equip the hands of war for the Afghan commandos that are still over there fighting. Um, the Afghan commandos and the pilots and the interpreters are the ones we need to really be keeping in prayer because they have lists of those people and they're going to find those people and they're going to try to kill them. And they've already put out, there was coffee uh, or black rifle coffee, put out a picture from their um, reporter that got intercepted a text message somehow from them saying that they will burn the families. Like they'll burn the families of those people. That is the evil that these people are willing to go to. And so how much more should we meet that with prayer? And, uh, and that God would show his righteousness and his love towards people, but also that Christians would go, go to Afghanistan and, or if they can't go find something to help. Um, and if that's prayer, that's prayer. But if you have some sort of way of helping, you can go with some missions agency. I'm sure there are missionary agencies that are spinning up right now to go to Afghanistan. So if, if that's what God's calling you to do, that's don't hesitate. Yeah. Honestly, if, you, if, if anyone's aware of those and you want to, Hit us up. We'll, we'll definitely share them out. Those would be some hardcore missionary groups. That's all I got to say right now. Uh, if they're, they're yep. spinning up the head in now, but uh, God, God, uh, God calls <laughs> upon people to do some pretty crazy things. He sure does in his scriptures. Well, have you seen Dave Eubank out in Burma? I have not. Oh, you got to look him up. Uh, Dave Eubank. He runs a, a group called the free Burma Rangers and they came out of the documentary two years ago about them but they've been in burma which is the longest civil war and he was a former special operator and he went over there and he's been a missionary for i think over over 20 years in burma and they they are on the front lines giving uh aid but they've also been to iraq they've also been to syria they go to africa and they give medical aid and and run vbs it's pretty pretty much their their mission it's pretty awesome you got to look them up i will definitely do that that's excellent so there's yeah. people out there doing that work. Yeah, That's definitely. Awesome. There's there's an interesting <clears throat> interesting thing. I mean, you know, I, I saw those imprecatory psalms, the imprecatory prayers. We I know them. I, I know Canadians who have prayed imprecatory prayers against their wicked governments for for their disobedience and their unrighteousness. And you know, it's it's something that us us nice American Christians don't really like, right? But we have to love justice enough, even when it doesn't look nice. <laughs> justice justice for the evildoer doesn't look nice. <laughs> um, it, it's an ugly thing. And, it, and it's hard for us who have lived so well, so long to, to wrestle with and grapple. I mean, I, I know I was, I was resharing posts uh, that, that you were putting up and I was getting messages like, Hey, I'm, I'm not so sure we should be. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure we can, uh, you know? And I was like, but we've also prayed for the Taliban that they would repent. 
you know, we must do both. And we, we have to love, if, if we are Christian, we have to look at all of scripture. Those Psalms were there. They are there for us to read and to learn from. And above all, like I, like I said, we must love justice enough to know that, that God will meet this with justice. And you might think it's not nice, um, or someone might think it's not nice or not kind um, or not pretty, but, but justice is coming, like you said, and either in this life or the next. And that is a terrifying thing. And that's, that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we preach the gospel. So 100% with you on that. That's absolutely it. Um, there's that, that kindness is not Christian kindness. That is the kindness of the world. It is void of truth. It is not, it is not concerned with righteousness. Um, that kindness is concerned about whatever your emotional dribble is that is ruling you in that moment. And that is not a good God. That's a very bad God. That is not the true God of the universe. The true God of the universe, uh, he, he is concerned with uh with be kind it's always attached to his truth his righteousness and his justice uh, because that is what is kind that is what a world needs um, and if you're not going to do that then you're going to be unkind you're going to be lying you're going to be dishonest you're not going to be bringing freedom you're going to be bringing slavery and you're going to be bringing death and that is <laughs> that is the long and short of it <laughs> so we can either preach the gospel to a world that needs to hear repentance uh or we can uh try to nice them all the way to heaven which will fail miserably. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's going to work well. And I, this is this is the case. I think for Afghanistan as well. There's also something to be said about let your yes be yes and your no be no. I don't think our word uh, to many of the countries that we have uh, seen as allies has uh, been effective over the past ten years or so. And it is disheartening to me um, as a person who knows that I need to do well to make sure my word is. Yes and no when I say it. The reason we can station troops in Germany and Japan is because they've become allies to us after these wars. In fact, Japan has become one of our, one of our strongest allies, honestly. And, uh, and, and when I see things like the, what, what was just allowed, there's a time when what happened to Hong Kong from China would never have stood uh, from the American perspective. It, it would not have mattered that it was way over there. It would not have stood. There's a time where what was happening, what's happening in Cuba now would not be able to stand and we are letting it stand. We're, we're not going to get involved. It's too messy to get involved. Well, there was a time when it didn't matter that it was messy. It mattered if it was right or not. What was right to be done? What is the righteous thing to do? And uh, and my concern is that yet again, as uh, the poor, I always say this, the poor, the poor Kurds, man, we have left them mm. to try many times as a country and that it is awful. We need to we need to make sure Christians that we are uh, we mean what we, we say what we mean and we follow through with what we say we're going to do. It's super important, um, and and we need to pray that there would be some level of forgiveness for us on a national stage because there these countries are looking and seeing and they're saying, well, I don't know, maybe I'll just do, maybe China is just a better ally than America because at least China will be evil, but they'll do what they say while they're also evil. And I don't think that's good. That's bad. That's real bad for us. So we need to pray there'll be grace for us as a country in that. And we need to seek to hold, as John said, our leaders accountable for what they've chosen to do. I, I think that's a lot. I think we've given plenty of people plenty to think about in a very short time uh, for us here. Do any, do any closing thoughts that you guys are having um, on, on uh, what's going on in Afghanistan and how we can continue to uh, stay engaged? 
Yeah, uh, well, right before I give a closing thought, I just wanted to before piggyback. Before you give a closing thought. Yeah, but give a piggyback off of what you said, and I, and it stuck in my mind because of something I read two days ago. Um, I'll read through the Proverbs every day. Is Proverbs 16.4, where it says, The Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of destruction. And so, mm-hmm. like, the same God who has offered us free salvation made the wicked for the day of destruction for his glory, um, which is the ultimate purpose of life. So Christian, if you're out there and, and it's uncomfortable to think about other Christians who are engaged in, in killing people, other Christians who are willing to take up that sword uh, and, and, and our time, that gun and fight um, Christian, if that's you, who's discouraged that Christians are repeating scripture back to God, um, just read your Bible a bit more. <laughs> so, so uh, wait. Yeah. That verse, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for correction, for doctrine, for proof, instruction, and righteousness. <laughs> so that unless, every unless man may like be it, equipped. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, a closing thought on how we can uh, continue in prayer for Afghanistan is continue in prayer for Afghanistan, just like we said, and um, and the people there. Uh, pray for the people trying to flee. And those who gave up their their livelihoods to help America, I know this is maybe carnal of me to say, but I would trade every person who would kneel to an American flag on a sporting event for one interpreter um, who was willing to literally, it wasn't like he deployed, he didn't deploy to Afghanistan. He lived in Afghanistan and he still chose to fight with us. Um, I would trade every NFL player, every MLB player, who knelt for one um, because I know that that's a person with, with courage uh, who would love the American way and actually make something of it. How many can we get for like LeBron James? Can we like maybe orchestrate a yeah. trade? How many can we get? Well, at, but you put two I'm, Afghans on, you put two Afghans on top of each other's shoulders. They're about the same height. So, so um, maybe we can do one, one for two swap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in, I just the, want everybody here. I was that was when John says that it's not a callous thing. That's the heart of someone who has been there and knows. Uh, that's what that is. So, well, it's the truth. That's, the, yeah, uh, that's a that's beautiful sentiment. I just want to say that. So, yeah, and and the continue of prayer. There are people trying to flee right now as we speak. Uh, I've been getting text messages as we've been talking of guys who I know who are giving us status updates uh, as to their situation. So. If you deployed and if you worked with an interpreter um, and they are applying for their SIV paperwork, uh, call your congressman. Uh, I know I have nothing but great things to say about Elise Stefanik's office in, here in upstate New York and also um, was able to get in touch with Senator Gillibrand and Chuck Schumer's office. I got nothing but great things to say right now for their efforts in um, in getting this person the help that they need. And they were more than willing to help. Um, at least that's, uh, <clears throat> what I've, the experience I've had. Um, so do the same. Um, if you hit me up on social media, I can send you the phone numbers, uh, that you can reach out, have them reach out to you in this situation and pray for that paperwork to go through the state department. State department's an absolute mess right now, but pray that that paperwork, uh, for those, those who are uh, trying to come over here, would get all sorted out. So. Somebody in Gloucester County, New Jersey, happens to hear that, and our representatives are the same. Or if you're in South Jersey and our 
senators are the same. We, we would, me and Jesse would certainly be calling hard for you guys as well. Um, honestly, we'll call any senator's office. So if you need us to reach out to call any any particular senator, you go ahead and let, you just let us know. We'll give them a little phone call. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the takeaway here is like, at least with that particular portion is that I think a lot of people, you know, get urged to to contact their their government official. But what your experience has been is that it's actually doing something. And so we can't write it off as an effort in futility. We have to try. And and God's actually been blessing those efforts uh, and our prayers through those efforts. And so we can we can do the same. We mu- we must do that if we love justice, if we love um, all of the things that we say that we do as Christians in this country, we have avenues. And whether you think it's futile or not, we have to try. Uh, and so if, if you know people in those situations, if you, if you know um, a veteran or if you know someone who's in active military and they're trying to get someone out, please come to their aid and help them. As a civilian, call. Make the call because um, God is blessing those efforts. But if no one's making them, no one's going to know. No one's going to hear. You know, additionally, another point, another point to that, John, is that, that my, my heart gets heavy because when, when you speak so highly of, of these interpreters, of these, of these um, Afghanis that have been helping and aiding the United States in their peacekeeping efforts over there, is that those men and women are, have literally signed their death certificates at this point. You know, from what I understand, they're being hunted down, people who have aided America and they're they're doing so at the cost. They've done so at the cost of their lives. And so when so when you say I'll take I'll I'll send over anyone who kneels and and just bring one, you know I I genuinely I genuinely feel that sentiment because there's there's so little that I would feel like dying for. You know, just the ultimate the ultimate things that we can think of. You know. I pray that God would give me the strength if I were ever to die for the faith that I would have the strength to do so that I, that I would gladly sacrifice my life for my family, you know, but, but these people have literally been aiding, aiding the United States efforts in peacekeeping efforts. And now they are targets, actual targets, bodies in the streets. And it is, it, it makes me ashamed of the situation. Um, But it's, it's just such a, such a gripping reality that there are things worth dying for. That freedom isn't something that we get to take for granted. That peace isn't isn't just some ethereal concept um, that exists somewhere in our minds. It's a real thing, and people are are dying for it. And that, that's just such a gripping reality, such a gripping truth, I guess I, I should say. Uh, very humbling, and it, it sobers my heart to think that. I mean, that's kind of like that's those are some of my big takeaways. I mean. Join in prayer, get your friends, get your church to concentrate your efforts. When we, con- you know, it's one of the, I was reading uh, Jim, Jim Wilson's, Doug Wilson's dad wrote a book called Principles of War, um, Strategies of War for Evangelism. And he, he talks about the, the principle of concentration, concentrating forces at a decisive point to take, to take ground. And that's exactly what we need to do with our prayer. You know, and I we, we were so thankful that you reached out to orchestrate the, the August 16th day of prayer. Uh, and we, we plan on doing more. But even if it's your family, um, gather them around the kitchen table, gather them around their beds at night and pray. Yeah. You know, message your pastor, ask them if we can, as a church, you know, schedule a time where we can all pray and concentrate the prayer. I, I think that's, you know, a, a very worthy effort. Um, lots of great practical stuff coming from this. So, yeah, the. 
the motto of my battalion that I was in when I deployed was deeds, not words. And so uh, I've tried to, it's a very biblical principle and I've tried to really apply that to my life, especially after being that unit where it's every day I see it. It's on my, it's on my t-shirt that I wear for PT. It's everywhere. And don't just share it on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever you're on actually pray. The temptation is to put the, you know, as we saw with Paris, they put the Paris flag in the background and say, pray for Paris. And it's just a sentiment. Actually pray. If you believe prayer works, actually pray. Cause I believe it does. And I've seen it work just in these past couple of days. I've seen it work. And yeah. so I've seen our prayers for Afghanistan actually make real change on the ground. And that's something that God has blessed us to see. And um, it may in the big picture seem gloomy, but Christ is in control and he tells us to pray. And that's exactly what we're here to do. So am I, if anyone from triple deuce is listening and knows me, they would be remiss if I didn't say deeds, not words at least once. <laughs> not words. So, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So we, uh, we have been encouraged, I think very much to have prayers up here. And uh, if you do know anybody that's doing the hard work uh, of getting in there with, with, Christ's love and, and the gospel do let us know we would love to promote that as much as we can uh, and hopefully get that into the some hands of people that can promote it even better than we can uh, that would be our goal so uh, so definitely listen to this with a critical ear to be sensitive how God is calling you to minister Christian that is uh, that's the encouragement here that is the hope uh, Christ uh, is sovereign Lord over all of creation this is all his and we are in the in-between time uh, from when it began uh, to when he assumes control yet again. Uh, and while we are here, we should be good stewards. And that means praying hard for his mm-hmm. will to be affected everywhere. Uh, so we have been encouraged to do that. And uh, and with that, I'm thankful for the time you've given us, John. I don't I don't want to miss uh, one, last, one last time. Make sure everybody knows you are uh, doing the ministry called Godly Grunts. Is that right? Yeah, so um, right now we're on Instagram at The Godly Grunts. Uh, We're on Facebook, just made that today. And I will be making a website, as you have informed me I should do. Um, Right now it's helpful. Yeah, and right now it's just kind of like a, you know, when you see the people running a restaurant out of their garage, it's kind of like where we're at right now with with the ministry. Um, We're doing. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah. That's our ministry. Yeah, there you go. So, so, um, we, uh, our, our striving is to, uh, have soldiers be better Christians and Christians be better soldiers. Um, that's a very simple way of putting it, uh, teaching the ministers of the sword, whether that be, um, military, whether that be police force, border patrol, if you wield the sword, we want to show you the righteous way to do it. Um, and that is our mission. We're currently up in Fort Drum, New York. Uh, with the 10th Mound Division up here, most deployed uh, Division Two Afghanistan. So these guys, these are these are hardened hardened soldiers, and uh, we're we're doing a lot of good work. If you are, live near a military base and you want to uh, learn how you can impact the soldiers around you, have no hesitation to reach out to us, and we will uh, we will assist in what God has you doing. And I personally am at the Deacon of Death two two. So. There it is. Now you can you can go to John personally and uh, check out the Godly Grunts. Uh, if uh, honestly, don't forget Christian. Even if you need to be a, a better soldier, 
both in the world and out of it. John's got lots of good stuff to say uh, here. Uh, so we are thankful for you, John, and, uh, and for your time here. And we hope that you have been very much encouraged this evening to seize, seize the faith. faith.